Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Well, grab a Bible, if you will, or your phone, whatever you're using. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start there before we continue on with our, our story of Moses. So while you're turning to Deuteronomy 6, let me ask you a question. How do you deal with criticism? Most of us don't do well with criticism. We don't. It's just a fact. Now, we can say, oh, that was constructive criticism. Oh, stop it. It's still criticism. Right? Because criticism, it hurts. It goes deep because it's just like, and here's why. Because we're people pleasers. But that's how God made us. I mean, we can go all the way back. Look at Genesis chapter 1. God makes things on the first day. And what does God say? It was good. See, that's how God made us. Like, so that what we do is we want to think it's good. And we want others to go, that was good. And we like it. But when somebody criticizes us, it goes so deep. And, and I'm going to put us in three categories. I know these are very general but I'm going to put us in three categories, and I think it's going to help us understand a little bit more about God today. And it all has to do with how you were raised. How your parents loved you is going to really make a difference. In fact, it doesn't matter how old you are, how you were raised impacts you in these areas. Here's one, that you had parents who loved you unconditionally. Yeah, when you messed up, they correct you, they discipline you, but you were secure in their love. Some of you grew up with that. Some of you grew up in a household that love was conditional. As long as you acted good and you did what you were told, you got love from your parents. But if you didn't do what they wanted, they withheld love from you and you spent your whole life trying to please somebody so that you could gain their love because you were trained that people only love you if you do what they want you to do. And sometimes if you had a parent that left, you as a young child still take that person like, like, why was I not good enough that my parent left me? And you will spend your whole life trying to gain people's love through your actions and your behavior because you think that's how you get love by doing what people want you to do. Or you're in this category. It doesn't matter what you did. You couldn't get their love. And you know what happens then? It turns into rebellion. Like if I can't gain your love, then I'm going to do the opposite of what you want me to do. And there are some people who live their whole life still rebelling all the time. Why? Because when they were young, they couldn't win anybody's love, so they got to this point of just rebelling against them. All right, now, I'm sure all of us can probably put ourselves in one of those general categories, and you know how this, what this does is it impacts our relationship with God. Because do you believe that God loves you unconditionally, even if you mess up? 
Do you believe that you can only win God's favor if you're good? Or are you still rebelling against God because you're like, I can't please you anyway, so why try? And I'm going to rebel. See, and here's the problem. Here's the problem. It doesn't matter which category you're in. You can want to please God all day long. But we've got this condition called sin that messes it up. And so when you got this condition, which we all have, called sin, then we wonder, am I still loved? Even if I sin? Am I still loved? See, you know what's going to happen tonight at the Super Bowl? Or let's just say after the Super Bowl? There's going to be one team and all the fans who are going to be terribly disappointed. And the team's going to feel their disappointment. That's going to be horrible for half the team or one team. And the others? Everybody's going to be happy with them. How would you like to be in leadership or like the president where every decision you make, half the country hates you, half the country loves you. You're never going to please people. Those are hard positions to be in. Why? Because God made us to want to please him. So let's start with something. Here's where we're going to go with this. What does God want from us? What we're going to learn today in our lesson is that God is trying so hard to show us how much he loves us and he wants our love in return. So let's start with Deuteronomy 6. We're just going to read a couple verses. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God, your ancestors, promised you. Let me pause. Are you catching this? God's saying, you want to please me? There it is. Now he goes really to the juggler, if you will, right to the heart of it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. Would you say it with me if you got your Bible open? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strengths. You want to know what God wants from us? There it is. He wants our love. And God has been trying for centuries to just get people to love him. And it almost seems impossible but it's because of this condition of sin that messes it all up, that we want to love God, but we keep sinning. We want to love God, but we love to sin. We want to love God, but we're selfish. We want to love God, but we want to do what we want to do. And so every day there's a dilemma. And so either you're going to struggle with this, because as a believer in Christ, it is a struggle. Because you're going to feel like, I'm loving God, but oh my goodness, I'm doing this. You know, does God still love me? The answer is yes. Yes. But I'm struggling. 
And so you're either going to, as a believer in Christ, this side of heaven, struggle, 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 struggle all the time, but hopefully be confident in God's love, or at some point you're going to throw your hands up and just get rebellious. So now turn back. Now this will make a whole lot more sense. Exodus 23. This is where our story of Moses is continuing. Chapter 23 of Exodus, find verse 20. And if you remember from last week, the Israelites presented themselves before God. They got the Ten Commandments. Now let's, let's uh, pull apart the Ten Commandments. The first three, what's God saying? Here's how you can love me. And then all the rest, here's how you can love your neighbor. It's really just simple. Simplify it. Love God, love others. That's what Jesus said. Two greatest commandments. Love God, love others. God's been consistent all throughout the Bible. So God's about to tell them when they leave this mountain where God presented himself to them, he's going to tell them what he wants and what he's going to do for them. So follow this along. So see, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. That was the land of Israel from Egypt. Here's what I want you to see, though, in every verse. Listen to what God is doing. I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Did you catch it? Four things God's going to do. Because he loves them. Now he says to them, Pay attention to him, to the angel, and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. Now this is interesting. I'll just hint, I'll give you a hint here. This angel is probably God himself. And you'll see why in a moment here. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, there's the key, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. When Jesus was born, we know him as the second person of the Trinity, but that wasn't the first time that he revealed himself. In all likelihood, this angel who's going with his people is God himself in some form. We don't know what the form, but this angel has God's name in him. He says, the angel, do what I say. So he's talking about himself here, and he's saying everything he's going to do. So here's another thing. Did you catch? If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I'll be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you, so God's going to now fight for them. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Now, if you've got trouble with that, we'll come back to this later. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Now, what does God want? In all of this, he's going to tell us very simply what he wants from his people. Worship the Lord your God. 
and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in the land. I will give you a full lifespan. You know what's awesome about that? What are we here to do? Worship. That's what God wants. And here's the funny thing about Sunday morning. We can only set the stage so that you can worship God. We can't force you to worship God. That's personal. That's you and God. That's you connecting with God in this time frame. It's you listening to the word of God, responding to God, singing out to God, receiving the gifts of God. That's worship. That's your worship to God. And so we've gathered, and I love it, thousands of years later, we gather to do at the heart of what God is asking us to do is to worship him. And he said, if you do this, this is all he was going to do for the Israelites. And God loves to bless us as well. Okay, so now he's going to tell more that he's going to do. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. Notice God's going before them. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. Boy, I wish I could explain to you what the hornet is. Nobody knows. It, it appears a couple times in the Bible. What is the hornet? Don't know. But it sounds like it's something incredible. Whatever this hornet is that God is going to send, God is going to do something amazing with it. So we don't know. We don't know. We, we don't have a clue. I mean, I've searched and searched and searched. Nobody can even come up with any kind of a hint on what they think the hornet might be. But we know that it's something because God's going to send the hornet ahead of you and the hornet's going to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. But God says, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you've increased enough to take possession of the land. If we could just pause. God is going ahead of them. God is going with them. God is taking care of the obstacles. God is protecting them. We've seen in the past, God is feeding them. God is giving them water. God says he'll bless them with food and water. God's taking care of their enemies. Do you notice? God is doing all of this. All of this. And what did he ask in return? Worship me. That's what God wanted. He didn't ask the world for them. He didn't ask them to be perfect. He didn't ask them for a lot. He actually asked them for very simple. He wants our worship. You know what that means at the core? He wants our heart to say, I want you, God. That's ultimately what worship is. I want you as my God. I want you as my Lord. I want you to be my God. And that's what God, he just wants our heart. But again, this 
thing called sin just ravages that. I mean, you may sit here today and say, I give you my heart, and then you'll walk out of here and something bad will happen. And you're going to be like, oh, you know, I blew it already. Yeah, that's life. And you know what? Then we turn around and we come back to God. All right. Now listen, God's not done. He's telling him more he's about to do. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. And I think here's another key. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me. Because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. What was God after? Is he wanted to drive out the ungodly. He wanted to drive out anything that would cause them to fall away from God. And boy, I think there's something for us to really ponder this morning. Is there anything in our life that's driving us further away from God? Is there anything going on in your life? Is there anything that you're doing that's driving you away from God? Because if there's anything that's in your life that's, that's pulling you away or driving you away from God, I would encourage you, deal with it. Eradicate it. Do whatever you have to do to get it out of your life so that you can follow God with your heart. That's what he wants. And so God was bringing them out of Egypt, through the desert, promising them when they get to the promised land, the land of Israel, that he would drive out all of the ungodliness, all of the gods, little g, so that they would have a place that they would worship God and that God would be their God and that he and that for all of them, well, he would be their God and they would be his people. That's all God wanted. That's all he wanted. That hasn't changed today. See, turn with me for a moment to John. John 3:16, but we're going to go on further after that. So turn to John 3:16. Cuz I want you to hear again how much God loves you. But oftentimes we forget about the rest of the chapter and I think the rest of the chapter really matters, or at least the first few verses after. So if you have your Bible open, would you read John 3.16 with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay, did you catch, in the, in the Old Testament what we read was, he wanted their worship. Deuteronomy 6, he said he wanted their love. And now... What does he say he wants? He wants us to believe. Isn't that interesting? Interesting from the fact of, did God say to you, you have to be perfect. You can't. God wants our worship. We can do that. Even as sinners, we can do that. God wants our love. We can do that. We're capable of that. God wants us to believe in him. 
We can do that. See, God's not asking us for more than we can do. And when God says, for God so loved, you have to understand, in the Greek, this is agape love. It means an unconditional love that God loves you no matter what. Do you know that God can't love you more than he already does? It's impossible. Do you know that God can't love you any less than he already loves you? You know why that matters? Because no matter what you do, God's love for you is the same. Unconditional. Now, he may correct us. He may discipline us. He may, with his spirit, say, why are you doing this? This is hurting you. God may speak into our lives, like, what are you doing this for? This is not helping you. This is hurting you. But God's love for us is up here. You can't do anything to get God to love you more. I hope you heard that. If you're a people pleaser and you think, if I do all the right things, God will love me more. No, not true. God can't love you anymore. But he also can't love you any less. He wants us to be secure in that. And what he asks of us, we can do. Can you worship? That's my, can you worship? Yes. Can you love him? Yes. Can you believe in him? Yeah. That's what God's asking. But he loves us no matter what. Okay, so now let's go on. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't come down to tell us what we're doing wrong. Jesus came down to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We couldn't get to heaven, so he came down and opened heaven. We couldn't forgive our sins, so God forgave us. God knew that if it was relying on us to be good enough to get to heaven and we couldn't do it, God came down because we couldn't go there. That's what Jesus did. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. All right, verse 18. Whoever believes, here it is again. I just asked you a little while before, can you believe? And you said yes. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Did you hear that? If you say, I believe in you, Jesus, you're not condemned. You're not. And you won't be. And you don't have to ever worry about hell if you believe in Jesus. You never have to worry. God said it right there. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You remember I said, if you have trouble with, why would God punish the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Parrot, all those people? Why would he do that? This verse. Because they stood 
condemned already for not believing in God. Their unbelief, which was attested by their worship of other gods, they stood condemned already. But for those who believe, there is no condemnation. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their, e- their deeds were evil. Back to the beginning when I, when I talked about rebellion, when Jesus came into the world, you either want to come closer to Jesus or you're going to run away from Jesus. And if he comes as light, here's the most fearful thing for every believer. When Jesus comes as light, we have a choice to either stay in the darkness where our sins are hidden, but we're away from God. Or for the believer, this is what's so scary. If I come into the light, you're going to see everything I did wrong. Yep. And then God cleanses it, washes it right off. See, that's counterintuitive. How many of us, when we did something wrong and we're confronted with it, we'd rather run into the darkness and say, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. It's always funny when you watch one of those little videos of a child who has got chocolate cake all over their face. Did you eat the chocolate cake? No. You know? But we all know they did. That's how God is with us. See, we hate this thing called sin in us. We do. And we want to run away from God, just like Adam and Eve ran away from God. And God called them back into the light. The light scares us. Because when we come back into the light, all of our filth and all of our sin and everything gets exposed. And God's like, now you're forgiven. And that's why for some it's so hard for them to believe. All right, let me back up what I just said. Verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. That's scary. You know why it's scary for a people pleaser? If I come into the light and you see everything I've done wrong, God, our greatest fear is then you won't love me. That is our greatest fear. But actually, it's the opposite. When we come into the light, exposed of all of our sin, That's when we hear God, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because when we believe, we're cleansed. The sin is gone. That's why God invites us to come closer, but it's always scary to come closer to God because our sin is going to be revealed. And God's like, "Uh uh-huh, that's what I want so that I can clean him and forgive you. Friends, all of us are coming in with junk today. There's not one of us here today that isn't coming in with junk. And God's going to invite you to come near. He's going to invite you to come near, close to the light of Christ, so that he can tell you he loves you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. None. You won't be condemned. You will be loved. You will be forgiven. And you walk out of here a lot lighter. Cleansed through and through. And reminded of how much God loves you. That he didn't withhold his only son to show us how much he loves us. And he wants us to worship. He wants us to love. He wants us to believe. We can do that. If you're ready to do that, say amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Sin has just made a mess of everything in our lives. So often we portray that sin towards you, maybe in rebellion or thinking that we have to live a certain way to please you and we forget that you love us unconditionally. No matter what we've done wrong, you love us. No matter what we've done right, you love us. Now, how many to- no matter how many times we miss the mark, you love us because you love us unconditionally and you can't love us anymore. And we can't say thank you enough for that gift. And we can stand in your presence knowing that we don't have to be afraid. We can stand in your presence knowing that Jesus died for us. And Jesus will stand with us and present us to you as clean. Thank you that he took on our sin so that we can be clean, so we can stand before you the way that we are. God, we just want to say thank you. We don't know how else to say thank you, but we want to say thank you. And this morning, we want to tell you that we love you. And we're here to worship you. And we believe in you. And thank you for everything you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.